0: Lord, we want to experience Your presence, Lord. We want to experience Your goodness. Lord, now we are opening up our Bibles, Your Word. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that You would open up our hearts, our eyes, our ears, our understanding. Speak to our hearts today, Lord. Change lives today. Lord, bring healing and recovery today, Lord God. Father, today we're believing Your Word to heal bodies, to heal marriages, to heal relationships, Father. To open up doors of employment, to open up doors of the freedom to break chains off of the captive father god lord set your people free lord today we are trusting you god to do great and awesome things as we study your word so now father as we do that we give you the praise and the glory in jesus name amen you may be seated this morning good to have you in the house of god praise the lord we're studying our way through the Bible, we're in the Old Testament book of 2 Kings and we've been studying the double portion prophet, the prophet Elisha, prophet Elisha, and we're up to chapter six, chapter six. We've seen just a couple of highlights for you as we've been studying the, the life of Elisha. We've seen that to pursue a new life that is greater than the life we have requires that we make a decision, that we make a break from the old life. To enter into the new life. We saw that Elisha, when he received his calling, he burnt his plow and he sacrificed the oxen. How many of you know you can't return to the plow if you don't have one, right? You ever make a plan B with God? God, I really want to do something great for you. God, I really want you to move in my life. But just in case you don't, I got plans. You ever do that? I'm the only one? Okay, well, I'm preaching to the wrong group today. This is gonna be. It's going to be a long three hours for you guys. We also saw in the study of Elijah that uh, everybody wants to see a miracle from God, but few people are willing to dig the ditches. We saw that. God said, I'm going to send the rain, I'm going to send the water, but you've got to dig the ditches in order to receive. A lot of people want, want, want from God but aren't willing to do their part. We also saw that God... Now, this is the controversial one. I had a couple people... Uh, not quite get it but let me let me state it again god doesn't always call you to have enough faith to finish i know a lot of you're going wait a minute i've read memes that says that let me finish god calls you to have enough faith to get started he'll make sure you finish if you'll trust him enough to get started does that make sense we saw another lot of great things from the study of elisha but today we're going to look at one of the most underestimated miracles but I think one of the greatest and most applicable to our life today it's the swimming axe head let me ask you guys something before we read the text you ever feel like you've lost your cutting edge feel a little dull in life not want to be careful not to be looking at you feel dull Bill. (laughs) so I preach like this and did you ever feel like you've kind of lost your edge? Your well, today we're going to see how to, how to recover that. It's a great, great study. So if you've got your Bibles open, let's start reading 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to read the first seven verses. Then we're going to look at this. It's awesome. Word of God says, And the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, See now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he said to them, Go ahead. Verse three. And then one of them said, please consent to go with with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them and they went down to the Jordan and they cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water and he cried out and he said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. And so he cut off a stick and he threw it there and he made the iron float. Now, I'm going to stop there because this is very important. Uh if you're reading the original King James, it doesn't say float. What does it say? The original word there is the word swim. Now, that is important. Why is it important? Because dead fish can float. But only live fish can swim, right? This acts I mean, this is a great miracle. You ever try to float iron? You ever, you ever go to San Diego and you go out there where the naval place is there and they have the big ships out there? Isn't it incredible they can get that much iron to float on water? It's, I mean, it, But throw an axe head in the water and it's not going to float. But It's really not going to swim. Well, this is the word swim. I'll, I'll expand more on that as we go. Verse uh, 7 says, Therefore, Elisha says to the guy, Pick it up for yourself. Underline that. That's going to be important. Pick it up for yourself and so he reached out his hand and he took it what a great great story What a great great miracle what some got some great great points for you and i here it is if let's let's just dig in there notice if you would the spiritual applications here is notice in verse 2 they said uh, let us go we need to expand our place where th- this is too small please remember that in this part of time in history the land of Israel was in rebellion against God they were living in apostasy They were not seeking God only when when trouble would happen, then they had turned to to God and kind of like the world today. Right. Uh, So notice this. If you're taking notes, be encouraged at this, that even times of apostasy, God is still moving. God is still touching hearts. The church was growing. They said, we need more room. We need to expand the church a little bit here. So so never give up on God it very easy for us as Christians to look to see what's going on in the world and and just to get discouraged right I mean there's some craziness going on in this in this world don't get don't get upset God is still moving also in verse two very important principle for all of us and that is that they all had to work together unity the church needs unity We learn in the Tower of Babel that all the people working together with the same focus, saying the same thing, God said nothing they want to do will they not be able to accomplish. They were building a tower to heaven, and God said they can do it. So He confused their language so they couldn't communicate. Unity is so important. You know, it's so much. You know, when Jesus sent the 12 disciples out, He didn't say, Peter, you go start the Baptist, Andrew, you start the Episcopal. No, what go out and get the the message of Jesus Christ. Man created the denominations. Right. God didn't do that. We need unity because Jesus said a house divided against itself will fall. Do you know what? This is not a lie. You know, because <laughs> I lied to you other Do <laughs> You know what? This is you guys think I'm joking. You know what the number one reason for church splits are? Decorating colors, color carpet, color. Yep. And these these Christians are dumb enough to admit it. You're willing to give up a work of God because of carpet? Now, I'll give I'm not a prophet, but I will tell you this one thing. You'll never see gold shag carpet in this church. <laughs> okay, we're you know, we're not one of those churches, but but isn't that crazy? We gotta start having some unity. So so some people worship different than us. Is that wrong? So some people you know, want to stand and lift their hands up. Is that wrong? Some people want to sit and, 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 and quietly. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Everyone is seeking God. We got we have to have unity. They all had to work together to bring this into accomplishment. Now, as we're going, uh, Elisha's overseeing the, the school here. All this is happening. Uh, growth is a good problem. So they're, they're moving on. Verse five, this guy's chopping down the tree and it says one was cutting down a tree and the iron axe head flew into the water. Interesting verse of, of scripture here. Would you put first Samuel 13, 19 uh, on the board? This is this is incredible. It says now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel for the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. Now I bring this to your attention for a couple reasons the first reason is we see now why the guy got all freaked out because the axe head was lost he, he borrowed it they were not common you couldn't just run down to Home Depot and get a new one I mean this was this was a major tool that that was lost they didn't have chainsaws they needed these axes to get the work done right but the Philistines had got the people in such a place where it was uncommon to have these things. Now you're going on, Clay, what are you talking about? Who cares about this? Here's, here's, here's the spiritual principle for you and I, very important. The Philistine says, let's make sure they can't work in iron, that way they can't make swords or spears. The enemy today, friends, will do all he can to keep you from developing spiritual weapons. Right? Blacksmiths would sharpen the axes and the plows and stuff like that the enemy will do all he can to keep you a dull Christian why should we be studying the word of God every day to keep our edge to keep sharp right why do we have Bible studies midweek why do we have the men's and women fellas uh, uh, the, the sign up for the new men's when it starts on the third also it's called sleeping giant No move of God without men of God. Right? Ladies, you want a powerful man of God in your house? Sign him up. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to cost you 15 bucks for a book, but don't you think your marriage is worth that? Too late. Thank you, ladies. (laughs) But we all. Why? Because the enemy wants to keep us dull. Wants to keep us not sharp. So... They're going through this. Now, some of us... Oh, this is a fun fact. You guys, I work really hard to study the Bible, but sometimes I take little rabbit trails. What do the lumberjacks yell when they fall a tree? Guess what the Hebrew word for timber is? (laughs) A test. Now, that has no spiritual meaning. I just... If you're... In the land of the Hebrews, cutting down trees, don't yell timber because they won't know what you're saying, but yell it is. We might be able to, to identify with this axe head. Number one, notice it was borrowed. It was borrowed. Friends, we are bought with a price we are not our own. We like the axe head. Now, we think we're free. We think, we think well, I'm my own man, I'm my own woman, right? If you're a Christian, you're not. You're bought by the blood of Christ. We were borrowed, and God, like this axe, uses us to expand His kingdom. But sometimes we, as Christians, doing the work of God, expanding the kingdom, feel like this axe, and uh, uh, we, we suffer difficulties. How was this axe accomplishing the work that it was supposed to do? What well, was being beat up against these trees? Boom, boom. You ever feel like the world is beating you up as a Christian? Well, I asked my wife how my last month has been. Being pounded, and hammered and hammered. Do you ever feel like that? And it's when that's happening to you that you can lose your edge, right? Then how many of you like me? Well, not me. How many of you like this axe just being pounded and pounded and hammered and hammered? And how easy is it to fly off the handle? Now a lumberjack would know when the axe head starts getting loose. Friends, we as Christians need to be very careful that we start paying attention when we understand, hey, I'm starting to to feel a little wiggle between me and the handle, the handle here being a picture of Jesus Christ. You've all following me? And so we have to to make sure that we don't get loose from from just the world hammering at us. Is this ministering to anybody here? When we feel like we're getting hammered, we're about to lose it. A lot of pressure's in the world. Friends, we need to to make sure we get back in, in our prayer classes with God. We get back in the Word of God. We get back worshiping the Lord. A great Scripture. Ecclesiastes 10.10 This isn't good just for work. This is a good spiritual principle. If the axe is dull and no one does not sharpen the edge, then he... Must use more strength, but wisdom brings success. How does that apply to what I'm talking about here, friends? If we don't keep ourselves sharp, with with the Father, we'll be we start moving in our own strength, right? You got anyone other than me guilty of that? Doesn't last long, does it? Right. But wisdom brings success. What's the wisdom? Get yourself sharp. How do we get ourselves sharp? Well, again, in the Bible, fellowshipping with those of like precious faith. Now I'm going to throw something out here that a lot of people freak out a little bit. You know what else will help keep your spiritual edge? Service. Service. Oh, Clay, you just need help in the nursery. We're always going to need help in the nursery. We've always need help in, in children's church. Right? But serving God in whatever area Will help you. Does this make sense, you guys? And so, keep yourself sharp with God. Number one is make sure your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is where where it needs to be. And so, keep your edge sharp. Let's keep going. Uh, maybe you can identify with the guy who who lost the axe head. How can we identify with him? Will you ever feel like you've lost hope? You ever feel like like you're at the end and there's no recovery? Well, maybe we can identify with Elisha. He helped this guy out. This is amazing. In verse 6, Elisha asked a profoundly simple question, but yet it was a profoundly important question. It's not that he didn't care. It's because he cared a lot. The guy said, said Prophet, I've, I've lost the axe head, and look what he says. Where did it fall? On the overhead, would you put Revelation 2, 1-5? through five. Great scripture for us here and to the angel of the church at Ephesus write this down these are the these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands this is Jesus talking to the church says I know your works I know your labor your patience that you cannot bear those who are evil that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, right? Like this guy chopping the tree down and doing all that stuff. And you have not become weary. Those are good points God's making, right? How'd you like God to give you that attaboy? That's nice, right? But he doesn't stop there. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. Uh Uh-oh. But you've left your first love. Who's their first love? Can you imagine a church doing all these good things, but don't love Jesus now as our good God always does he always gives us the the remedy remember therefore from where you have fallen the prophet asked him where'd you lose it Jesus asked the church where'd you lose it where'd you lose love repent and do the first works what was their first works what does God call? What's the work God calls us to? It's not to chop down trees. It's not to do all this stuff. It's to love Him, to have a, a relationship, a fellowship with Him. Repent, and do that else. What did they needed to repent of? He just gave this great list of all the super things they did. What they had to repent of was they got involved in religion and lost their relationship. It's it's easy to be religious, but maintaining a relationship's hard. Anyone married? Maintaining a relationship's hard. You're standing at the altar and you commit your love to each other for eternity. Then how many of you know you move from the honeymoon to the house and whoa. No one told me about that in marriage counseling. That's a whole other study. Let's don't get involved in that. That I don't need. remember where you have fallen repent and do your first works or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from his place unless you repent the whole focus of all this friends is is the point that Elisha said he said where did it fall Jesus said here return to where you lost it very important when did you start feeling dull in your spiritual life was it when you quit getting up early to have quiet time with God Was it when you stopped coming to midweek Bible study? Was it when you quit serving in the nursery? (laughs) Right? I mean, reflect back. When were you feeling good and blessed with God compared to now? And ask God to remind you, repent of it, and let's keep going. Now, here's the great Great part of this, and if you're taking notes, this is uh, of all else today. This is what I want you to, to write down. This is what I want you to remember. There is a cure in the cross. So he showed him. Here's here's where it hit the water. Here's where it sank. Pastor, it's the drugs I can't kick. Pastor, it's the drink I can't. Pastor, it's a gambling I can't kick. I mean, it it could be anything here. All right, well, what's the cure? The prophet cut off a stick. This is a picture of the cross of Jesus Christ. Friends, think about this. I was thinking about this today. I don't know about you, but I sometimes try to visualize and picture things. How did God build? Here's what inspired this. I went up Friday to see this big train, the big steam train that came through. Okay, it was awesome, incredible. I'm kind of a train guy. And they had a, pictures of the, the old wooden trusses and these bridges and stuff like that, real cool. And I got thinking, you know, God built a bridge between heaven and earth, but He only used two sticks: one horizontal and one uh, horizontal, <laughs> and one for, all for you. Two sticks could bridge heaven and earth. Friends, the cures found in the cross. Now, my other question is, clay being clay, well, if they didn't have an axe, how did he cut the stick? God allows us and gives us creativity to do his work. That's beyond man's ability. All right? For instance, Scripture we quote a lot is greater is he that is in me, me than he that is in the world. But we have the untapped power of the Holy Spirit in us. That's why God said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. I don't carry two sticks. Don't carry two bags. Don't you know, he just said, just go do it. Why? We got the Holy Spirit. That's pretty awesome. If you ask me, right? So uh, he cut the stick down and look what he did. He cut the stick and he threw it in there. He applied in, in our picture, the cross to that situation. One of my mentors who, who got me started preaching and teaching through the word of God, uh, Ron Hembry. He he would tell me all the time. He said, "Clay, people don't care about your opinions. You just give them the word of God." Now I sneak them in there sometimes, but the world would tell him, "Here's what you need to do to get the axe head out." Here, right? All we need is the cross of Christ. Amen. Pretty simple, but pretty powerful. He threw it in, and he made the axe head. Now. Again, the New King James, some other translations say float, but the original word is actually the word swim. It's a different word than float. Very important. Okay. He made it come up out of the water and then return to the guy. It's incredible here. Incredible. And so he comes to the guy and now the, the next thing that Elisha told him to do, he tells us to do is very important. He says, now you pick it up. Friends, once again, um, I, I want to sound very humble here. I don't want to be misunderstood but I can only do so much for you as a pastor I can lead you to the cross I can share scriptures with you I, we can unlock the doors and, and have services available for yourself but you've got to reach out and pick it up for yourself right? God will do his part but you need to do your part the guy could have said there ain't no way axes can swim I'm not doing it there's some voodoo stuff going on here right? and he could have rejected it but he did his part. It says, "Pick it up for yourself and look what the guy did." He reached down, he picked it up, and he took it in his hand. In that neat. A lot of people stop at the axe head swimming. But a lot of people need the next step, and that is, personally reaching in, grabbing it, doing your part, and uh, uh, receiving it. Isn't that a great story? Awesome couple closing thoughts on this then we'll move into the next section here it is it says my notes here is it says the guy could not cut down any more trees because he lost the axe head all he had was the handle because he lost the axe head he was ineffective the axe head in this story is a picture of the holy spirit the holy word and our holy faith hebrews four twelve. Friends, we have to make sure that we are operating in the fullness that God has provided for us to accomplish things for God. Amen? Next thing here, the raising of the axe head shows us again that God can turn our trials and our tragedies into triumphs and our disappointments into divine appointments. And thirdly and finally, before we move on to the next section, the Lord can recover what we have lost and put us back to work. Let me say that one again. The Lord can recover what we have lost and put us back to work. Isn't that awesome? That is so cool. Isn't that a great portion of Scripture? Well, the next one is is awesome too. Let's begin reading at verse 8. How much time I got? Oh, I'm I'm good. Verse 8. Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place, and the man of God, this is Elisha, he sent to the king of Israel. This is uh, Jehoram. Now Jehoram and Elisha, well, Elisha didn't have a problem, but Jehoram, the king of Israel, wasn't very friendly or nice to the prophet of God. Remember, the nation is an apostasy. And the enemy's coming against the nation, but the man of God still does what he needs to do to protect the nation, to help the nation. So he sends to the king saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. And then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him thus he warned him and he was watchful there not just once or twice. So what was happening here is the king of Syria says okay here's where we will attack him here's where we'll where we'll fight but God would reveal to Elisha what the enemy's plans was and Elisha who wasn't being treated nice by the king or fully accepted by the nation he had it he had his his guys, but not all the nation, right? But he still said, I'm going to warn the nation. Don't go here. And the king w- would believe him, and they get out of trouble. What's the lesson here for you and I? The lesson here for you and I is this. Friends, we, th- we we can't stop warning the world that the enemy's out there and wants to hurt us. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I see the goofiness of this world and I just this is a terrible thing to admit from the pulpit but sometimes I think you guys deserve it. I'm sorry Lord. But we need to keep telling the world hey the enemy he wants to pounce on you. He wants to enslave you right so just because they're rejecting us that doesn't mean we're to stop doing what God has called us to do you guys follow me so. uh. So he tells them happening verse 11. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this. And he called his servants and said to them, will you not show me which one of you is for the king of Israel? He naturally thought there was a spy in the camp. Someone is telling my plans to the enemy so that that our plans won't work. But one of his servants said, verse 12, none, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who's in Israel, he tells the kings the words that you speak in your bedroom. You don't have a spy. You don't have a traitor in your camp. Israel's got a prophet in their camp Now notice this friends the men's study sleeping giant no move of God without men of God remember this Elisha one man obeying God was doing more to save a nation one Holy Spirit filled man or woman of God can today can do more for our nation than can doctors Attorneys, accountants, scientists, politicians. Friends, we as the people of God are sleeping giants. You guys are looking at me like, okay, Clay, you got to move on. And we're, we're the untapped potential that this world needs, we're the hope, not a political party. Not the White House, it's the church house who needs to get their edges sharp again is what I'm trying to say. I'm going blank here. (laughs) Let's keep going. Verse 13. So this king, this shows his ignorance. Oh, he's telling the king, not only does does God tell Elisha what you say in the war room, but also in your bedroom. Friends, that should be scary to you and I because God knows everything we do. He hears everything we say. He knows all the thoughts we think. Just because you hide it from people doesn't mean you're hiding it from God. Okay, some of you are getting nervous. We'll keep going. Verse 13 says, The king said, Well, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. (laughs) This king thinks, Okay, God tells him everything I'm going to do, but I can still sneak up on him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is at Dotham. This is about 14 miles from Samaria. Verse 14. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. (laughs) Whole army for one guy. And they came by night and they surrounded the city. This is where the story really gets good. This is awesome. And when the servant of the man of God, this isn't Gehazi, because remember, he got struck with leprosy. So now Elisha's breaking in a new guy. He goes out early. I'll bring in the water or something. Anyway, he steps outside. And there was the army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and the servant of God, the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He freaks out. The enemy has got us surrounded. What are we going to do? And verse 16, underline this, highlight it however you mark your Bible. Elisha said to him, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now this is really awesome. Verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see and the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and beheld the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha how cool is that I see something very important here that's pretty simple but I think we need to talk about here I think a lot of us are more like the servant and can recognize bad while not recognizing god i think a lot of us can recognize the enemy about to destroy us and think we're all by ourselves. and i think a lot of us need to pray like Elisha prayed for the servant god open my eyes to see things the way you see things you know that the new testament tells us that that angels dwell among us i don't think you're in here in church here but not in this side, but man, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> oh, I think we'll be shocked when when we get to heaven and realize the angelic influences that have been in our lives. And we'll see the times that God has intervened in in our lives with things that uh, that we, we weren't even aware of. So maybe we need to start praying when we find ourselves in a tight spot. God, open my eyes that I see this situation the way you see it, the way it really is. Because it's easy for me to get discouraged, God. So give me your eyesight. Let me see things the way you do. Uh, Psalm 27.3, put that up there. This is awesome. Though the army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may arise against me. In this, I will be confident. What is this? That God is with him. Psalm 125, 2 and Psalm 23, 7. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. Then tw- uh, 34, 7. The angels of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Friends, I said it kind of jokingly, but it's truth. We are surrounded by the angelic realm that's pretty cool isn't it that is so awesome God has got it under control we just need to trust him and look at things the way he does I found it interesting that Elisha didn't pray that the Lord would give this guy peace in his heart but that he would give this guy eyesight to see what God was doing we can trust God eternal eyesight is what we need Ephesians 1 18 says this that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened and that you may know what is the hope of his calling what are the riches of his glory of the glory of his inheritance in the earth once again we need to pray that God will give us eternal eyesight isn't that awesome well let's keep going here because he doesn't stop there he says open his eyes the guy's eyes were open he sees these horses the chariots of fire all around him verse 18 and so when so when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha pray, he prays again but to a servant. He prays, open their eyes. But to hit to the bad guys, he says, close your eyes. Look what he says. Strike this people, I pray with blindness. And he struck them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. <laughs> isn't that awesome? Verse 19. Now Elisha said to them. Now he talks to this army and he says, hey, this isn't the way, nor is this the city. Follow me and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led him to Samaria, 14 to 15 mile hike. He, he leads these blind guys. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but God is just so cool. <laughs> Verse 21. Now, Elisha comes to the king and the king really, Elisha isn't the king's favorite guy. So he knocked on the king's door. King opens his door and here's his army. And The king probably went. Mm? And when the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, my father, shall I kill him? Shall I kill him? But he answered, you shall not kill them. Would you kill those whom you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? In war, prisoners of war, you you don't kill them. You you take care of them until the issue is resolved. Here's what you do. Set food and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. Proverbs 25, 21, 22 says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, that was a good thing. We tend to think, oh, yeah, that will get him, burn him good. No, that was to bless them. And the Lord will reward you. Jesus himself said in Matthew five forty four, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Romans twelve seventeen through 21 says repay no one evil for evil have regard for good things in the sight of all men if it is possible as much as depends on you live peaceably with all men beloved do not avenge yourselves but rather give ra- place to wrath for it is written vengeance is mine I will repay says the Lord therefore if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him a drink for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good and look what happens it says verse 23 then he prepared a great feast for them and after they ate and drank he sent them away and they went to their masters so the bands of some of Syria raiders came no more into the land of Israel these marauding bands stopped attacking the small towns and taking the things from them now Beginning at verse 24, um, all the way through chapter 7, we see that Israel and Samaria get into a war. Uh, It's 20 after. You guys want to go a little farther or you want to stop there and start next week? Go for it. Going once. Going twice. Okay. Let's go through 7 verse 3. It says, and it happened after that. We don't know how long after that. We also don't know how long after the episode with Naam the leper, who was the general of Syria. We don't know how long this took place, but afterwards it says Ben Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until okay, it got so bad. The food's gone. Everything's gone. It got so bad that a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. A donkey was an unclean animal. The head would be what you would eat last. So this was getting to be a very desperate situation and a lot of money. And one-fourth of a cab of dove's dung for five shekels of silver. You ever feel like the world's just feeding you I don't know what the Hebrew word is. <laughs> doo doo, Yeah, that's Hebrew. Now, were they eating this? No, I found out and studied that that dove dung was good for growing plants in in famine with no water. So I felt a little better knowing that. But the point of it is this was a very, very desperate situation was so desperate check it out verse 26 then as the king of israel was passing on the wall a woman cried out to him saying help my lord O king and he said if the lord does not help you where can i find help for you from the threshing floor or from the wine press i can't i can't produce any more crops I, there's nothing i can do for you what what do you want me to do well you know what he should have done he should have went to elisha and then the king said to her what is troubling you and she answered this woman said to me give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow desperate desperate situation right horrible now put on the overhead this is kind of a big portion of scripture but Deuteronomy 28 52 through 58 and we don't read this to try to upset you guys because I know a lot of you are going to lunch after church. But just to understand what is happening here. Deuteronomy 28 is the great blessing and curse chapter. It's a great read for you guys. We read the blessings of what are for the children of God when we obey and serve God, but also the drastic curses of what happens when we reject God. Remember, they are living in a rejected state of Jehovah. And it says... And they shall besiege you at all your gates until your high and and fortified walls in which you trust come down throughout all your land. And they shall besiege you at all your gates throughout all your land which the Lord your God has given you. You shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters whom the Lord your God has given you in the seas and desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you. The sensitive and the very fine man among you will be hostile towards his brother towards the wife of his bosom and towards the rest of his children whom he leaves behind so that he will not give any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat because he has nothing left in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates the tender and delicate women among you whom would not venture to set us the sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity will refuse to the husband of her bosom and to her son and her daughter, her placenta which comes out of between her feet and her children whom she bears. For she shall eat them secretly for lack of everything in the seas and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates. If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, Jehovah Yahweh that's pretty rough but men without God turn into beasts men without God are in a desperate situation now piggybacking on this what I said earlier we are the lights of the world we are the messengers for Christ we are the watchmen on the wall we have the potential to stop this from happening but we've got to quit bending our knee to to culture and start standing on the word of god right when churches and church services resemble a honky-tonk or i'm, I'm sorry that's buckeye talk right? friends when we start molding serving and worshiping god through the way the world acts, that's what we're headed for. Now, we're not eating our own children now, but we are devouring them. We're turning them over to the world, and the world's devouring them, right? Anyone feeling guilty yet? So, this was a bad situation. And let's keep reading so she says verse 29 so we boiled my son and ate him and i said to her the next day give your son that we made him but she's hidden him. what makes this mama mad not that the fact that she ate her son but the fact she can't eat again she, she, she didn't care for the life of her child she just cared about herself and friends that's what we see happening with children today moms and dads they're letting the world eat their children as long as they can be fat and happy you guys are looking at me really strange now it happened when the king heard these words of the woman that he tore his clothes and as he passed by underneath he had a sackcloth on his body so we see underneath where no one could see he was wearing sackcloth but on top of that he's wearing the king's robe friends let me say something to you again with a sincere heart not to offend anybody it's just, that's just a gift that normally comes with me if you're trying to secretly serve the Lord it ain't going to do you any good wasn't doing the king any good because he wasn't sincere if you're a true follower of God you're not going to hide it from people And people will know. Okay, let's keep going. Then he said, he gets mad at God. God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on him today. It's always the preacher's fault. You guys can't believe some of the things I get blamed for. You know? Yeah. Quit it, Kelly, would you please? Trump took the troops out of Syria. Why'd you let him do that? I'm a praying man, but (laughs) I don't have Trump's phone number. I wish I did. But, I mean, crazy stuff like that people blame me for. Y'all pray for me. (laughs) Because people are nuts. People are crazy. Anyway, the only help in this situation was Elijah. And he wants to kill Elisha. But Elisha was sitting in his house with the elders. Now, the elders were smart enough to know who they needed to be talking to. So they go there, and they're sitting with him. And the king sent a man ahead of him. But before the messengers came to him, he said to the elders, Do you see how this son of a murderer, talking about the king, has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold hold him fast at the door in other words don't let him in uh, is not the sound of his master's feet behind him he's gonna come and he's gonna say hey the king wants to see you but actually he's, he's come to kill me and while he was still talking with them there was the messenger coming down to him and when the king said surely the calamity is from the Lord why should I wait for the Lord any longer and Elisha said hear the word of the Lord thus says the Lord tomorrow about this time a sheath of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel next to nothing. Okay? And two sheaths of barley for a shekel at the gates of Samaria. Here at the gate where you're starving to death, there's going to be plenty. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows or floodgates of heaven, could this thing be? You ever think there's something even God can't take care of? God can do anything then he said in fact you will see it but you're not going to get to eat any of the food now we're going to stop there but we're going to see that miracle next week and before we do I'm not done don't don't close your Bibles five quick points as we close this up and then uh, next week we'll see how God answers this prayer it's awesome but if you're taking notes I got five points I'll go through them pretty quickly number one God is the God who sees verses 8 through 14. God not only sees the the actions of the people. Psalms ninety four eleven, Psalms 139 1 through 4 God knows our thoughts. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 15 3 Jeremiah 17 10 Acts 124 God not only sees our actions God not only sees our thoughts he knows our heart. We need to remember that people in the northern kingdom of Israel were unfaithful and away from the Lord, yet in His mercy the Lord cared for them. Psalm 121.4 Even though they were in apostasy, God cares for them. Point number two. God is the God who protects. Verse 15-17 through We had it earlier. I'll just repeat it. Psalm 37.3 Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this i will be comforted that god is with me god protects us he's always with us he never leaves us he never forsakes us we might not recognize it but we can trust it thirdly i love this so grateful for this god is the god who shows mercy verses 18 through 23 regardless of our activities regardless of our behavior Our God is the God who shows mercy. Aren't you all happy for that? Mm -hmm. Very important. Number four, verses 24-33. through God is the God who keeps His covenant. I read that large chapter from Deuteronomy 28 because that was part of the covenant. What does that mean to you and I today? It means God keeps His Word. You find it in His Word, you can bank on it. God keeps his covenant. And then number five goes right along with it. This is what we will see next week, and that is that God fulfills his promises, chapter 7, verses 1 through 20. We will see that the impossible is possible with God. But you've got to wait until next week for that. Amen? All right, let's stand. Worship team, join me up here. Wasn't this a, an amazing portion of Scripture today? Well, I want to, as we close this up, I want to just kind of highlight for our prayer time, the axe head. Maybe uh, maybe you felt like the world is just pounding you, pounding you, pounding you. Maybe you feel like you're about to fly off the handle or you already have. Whatever, however this applies to you. God is telling you today, like Elisha said, where, where did it fall? My prayer today is that today you'll recognize where you lost it. And that today you'd recognize the place to find it is right here at the altar of God. Now the altar of God can be where you're you're standing. It can be at your home. But we have what we call an altar time here and that's where we have a specific time and place for prayer. Worship team is going to lead us in a song and I invite you to be in an attitude of prayer and be in an attitude of worship uh, Lucy would you join Kelly up here and Andrew and Gilbert's going to join me up here and we're just going to open up the altars for prayer and give you an opportunity to pray and after that is done uh, we will close in the congregational prayer I'm going to ask that today if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and today God has touched your heart and you recognize that you need to get right with God you need to be saved would you come and talk to me not that no one else can pray with you I just have a couple of things I want to give to you. Other than that, whatever your, your need is, we'll be here to pray. And then after all of that, I need some strong, able-bodied men or women. We've got to move a table out of the youth room. It's a pool table. Uh, if anyone wants it, you can have it. We need to move it out today. If, if you can stick around and help me afterwards, that would be greatly appreciated. But right now, let's move into the altar. Father, thank You for Your Word. Father, thank You that You are a God of mercy. Father, so many lessons we saw today, both in the the events with the Acts. Lord, we saw the importance of unity as as a church. Lord, we saw that when we're dull, work stops. Father, we learned that You love us enough to point out our shortcomings and that you don't leave us stuck in the mud. You don't leave the waters over our head. Thinking about Jesus walking on the waters of, we say walking on the water, it was stormy water. Father, we can trust that all things that are over our head is under your feet. So would you help us today, Lord, whatever storm we're facing, whatever water's over our head, whatever mud is gripping us, Lord, set us free, we pray. Lord, I want to pray that if there's anyone in a desperate situation like the people that were under siege, would You reveal to all of us that You are our hope, that You are our answer. Lord, so many people, and unfortunately so many church people are like these women that we saw in the story. They're they're looking at a government. They're looking at, at, at a man to save them when our hope is in You. Yes, You use governments. Yes, You use men and women but our hope lies in You. Father, help us to trust You with all things. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's worship God in song. Let's be in an attitude of prayer.